John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. John. Yes? This is the High Game Podcast. Forget about it. What are we going to talk about, John? We're going to talk about guitars today, Ed. Where are you recording from, John? Uh, my basement in West Seattle. Great. Yes. Are we going to have an opportunity to hear John Kiltecca's famous New York accent for the next fucking 30 minutes? Not if you don't want to. I could take a hint. No, I think it's great. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Let me ask you a question. Do you have your pedal board into a power strip and just shut it down like every time you leave the room? I don't, but I am starting to wonder if I should. <sighs> me too. I usually do just leave it on, but I make sure like all the pedals are at least not in active state. Right. You know, so they're in like bypass. But I'm looking down and my microcosm that's still like playing a loop. I do wonder about that. Yeah. Does it hurt to leave it on or is it worse to actually have it going on and off over and over? I don't know. In pedal board land, is there something like a master power switch? Yeah. Viewers? Yeah. If you can help us out with this. Yeah. The safe way to power down the entire pedal board. That would be really nice. Or should you? Or should you? Yes. Okay. The next time we record, I will have an answer on best practice for pedal board power. Ooh. How about that, John? That would be great. Okay. I'll have the answer in a week. That's a commitment. Exactly. So probably one week from right now, I'll be furiously Googling, like, <laughs> what to do. You've lost that love and feeling. Ooh, that love and feeling. You've lost that love. 
Beverages. Beverages, Ed. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've lost that love and feeling. I actually suggested it. That song is killer. Am I wrong? No, that song is really great. Righteous Brothers? Yep. Yeah. The murderer of Lana Clarkson wrote and produced that song. Uh, Phil Spector. Whatever. Murderer. Slash hair farmer. Exactly. The murderer of Lana Clarkson has died. Not enough money is a big problem. Too much money, also a big fucking problem. Yes. This guy suffered from too much money. Yeah. Entitled piece of shit. But he recorded bangers only in the late 60s, early 70s. Holy shit. He invented what was termed the wall of sound. Totally. Think of all the bands today, like shoegazy, alt bands. Yep. That's their sound. Sure. That kind of drenched reverb stacked on top of itself. I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan, but we wouldn't have a ton of bands I listen to that I just love without Pink Floyd. Right. You probably wouldn't have Pink Floyd without Phil Spector, the murderer of Lana Clarkson, who, in a wonderful turn of fate, died of COVID-19 in jail. Fuck that guy. What are you drinking, Ed? A nice espresso beverage. Oh. Because I thought we'd be going to New York. We are going to New York. I've got like pinky out espresso style, little cup. You know what I mean? Is that going to last you the whole episode? No. So I've also got a huge mug of coffee and a smoothie. Between those, I should be good. I've got a cup of coffee like I do, the black coffee. Mm -hmm. But I also, Ed, had this big ass can of Arizona iced tea. Great. It is the raspberry flavored iced tea. Is that Coca-Cola or Pepsi? It's Arizona. Is that true? Arizona beverages. How is it? Very tasty. Is it great? The beverage? Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. I'm sure they got the corn sugar going on. Those things are just super duper not my jam. Hey, you know what I got here today, Ed? You have kind of a fancy boy guitar, right? This is a D'Angelico guitar. First one we've done? First one we've ever done. Cool. This is the deluxe Bob Weir Bedford model. Yep. Bedford being a section of Brooklyn. You know, you've got those Facebook memory things that pop up. Yeah. One year ago today, we were hanging out at NAMM. Boy, how about that? I saw a picture of me hugging Terry Tyson, and it's like, yeah, I don't really fucking touch people anymore, so. Yeah. You know what else happened one year ago at NAM? I don't know. The guitar I am holding was announced slash introduced. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, this deluxe Bob Weir Bedford model solid body D'Angelico was announced at NAM last year. Man, you would go into the big convention center area. And those glass display cases that were all over the convention floor were all full of D'Angelico guitars. Right. They seem to have snapped up all of those display cases. Didn't it seem like it? Yeah. They've never been on my radar as like, you know, a thing for me. Do you want to know how the D'Angelico story begins? Mm, yes. Way back in the oldie times in New York City in... Little Italy. Little Italy. 1905. 
That's for sure oldie times. John D'Angelico was born when he was only nine years old, Ed. Nine. Mm-hmm. 1914. Okay. He gets apprenticed to his uncle, who was an expert violin and mandolin maker. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. At the age of nine, he starts learning how instruments are made by learning the craft of building mandolins and violins. Violin making? I picture that as a delicate art. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it is. I'm into it. In 1932, his uncle, whose name was Raphael Chiani, he dies. Oh, no. Well, what about the main dude? John D'Angelico? Yeah. What's he doing these days? Oh, no. We lost them both? We did. Oh, no. So Uncle Raphael Gianni dies in 1932, and this leaves young John D'Angelico, who is at that point 27, Mm -hmm. to strike out on his own. Uh, You would imagine that from the age of nine to the age of 27, he probably learned a thing or two about how instruments are made. Was he making guitars by then? He was. Imagine a big old jazz box made completely by hand. Right. And they were highly regarded as stellar instruments, in fact, to this day, if you can find one. I was just looking on Reverb. Oof. (laughs) $83,000 for a 1937 New Yorker? Ooh. Man, it's pretty, though. Oh, my God. They're considered works of art. Yeah, heirloom quality. They've been exhibited in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So when he did set up his own place in 1932, it was down in Little Italy on Kenmare Street. Little Italy. Yeah. Vicky and I, my lovely wife and I, yes, are binge-watching The Sopranos right now. <laughs> and I realize it's all Jersey, but, you know, there's the New York family that they have to go, you know, deal with occasionally and stuff. Right. In The Sopranos, they talk heavily about how Joe Average American thinks everyone in Little Italy is the stereotypical Italian. And I totally think of Little Italy in a very stereotypical Italian sort of way. Bygone days. Yeah. I looked it up, and in the most recent census, Little Italy is just over 8% Italian. Uh Uh-huh. And that's totally what the Italian population is. In the rest of the city. That doesn't surprise me one bit. Forget about it. There's my New York thing. Yeah, what are you going to (laughs) do? In 1959, our man D'Angelico has a heart attack and closes the shop. But we don't lose him at that point. We do not. Okay. At that point, he had an apprentice, young Jimmy D'Aquisto. Oh, no. We lost him as well. He was 60. When we lost him. When we lost him in 1995. This maybe could be a dong-heavy episode, Ed. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nothing makes me sadder than just an episode full of dong, John. You know that. The heavy dong. Heavy dong, yeah. But anyway, our man DeQuisto convinces D'Angelico... Maybe you got some life left in you. Why don't we open the shop back up? Come on, boss. He was born in 05, you said, right? Yes. And this was 1959, did you say? Yes. 54 years old. Yes. 
Dude has been working since he was nine fucking years old. Cut him some slack. Yeah. But, you know, DeQuisto must hold sway. Okay. So he opens it back up for a while. Unfortunately, Ed, 1964, only five years later, D'Angelico dies in his sleep. Mm. Before that, though, he had several more heart attacks. <laughs> oh, no. My guy. Heart attack farmer. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those weird episodes where I'm just like, could I have nothing bad to say about this guitar? Maybe not. Yeah, all accounts are that not only were the guitars beautiful, but he was just a super swell guy. That's pretty great. Yeah. When you think of the time frame, like that guy's lifetime went from horse and carriage, Little Italy, to almost man on the moon. Yeah. Wild. He made 1,100 or so guitars over the course of his life. Huh. Our man Jimmy DeQuisto buys the business from D'Angelico's family in 1964. He didn't acquire the D'Angelico name. That's essentially the end of D'Angelico. Okay. DeQuisto is making equally wonderful guitars. I mean, he learned from D'Angelico, right? He started with D'Angelico in 52. Mm-hmm. And when he started, he was 17. So he knows how to make a little bit of a guitar. Yeah. So much so, Ed, that in 1982, I'm skipping forward now, DeQuisto is approached by Fender. Okay. Fender says, hey, Jimmy, why don't you make us some fancy pants archtop jazz boxes? And he says, well, okay, I'll help you design those. And he did. If you have the internet machine, Ed, you could look up Fender DeQuisto. Even those in 84, 10 grand. God damn. Not only was DeQuisto a badass, but he learned from D'Angelico. Yeah, these are cool. I guess the story was DeQuisto would go out to California quite a bit to work with the luthiers. So a handful of these guys got to learn directly from DeQuisto. Great. Yeah, Jimmy DeQuisto. Yeah. Now we're going to fast forward a little bit, Ed. Okay. 1999. What a year, huh? Oh my gosh, 99? There's this guy. His name is John Farolito Sr. You know. Oh! Johnny Farolito. Okay, what's this guy's deal? He's one of the co-founders of Arizona Beverages. <laughs> Great, okay. Is that cool? Um, yes. In 1971, he and a buddy opened up a beer distribution business in Brooklyn, in their hometown there. Okay. They were driving beverages around in trucks, just kind of selling it to people. <laughs> okay. Hey, you want some beer? I got some beer in the truck. Come on. Okay. In 1990, they start seeing the popularity of Snapple. You know the Snapple beverages? Hell yeah. They're like, holy shit, we should do something like that. Yep. Let's do teas and we'll compete with them. Okay, let's call it Arizona. So that's what they did. So uh, Arizona teas, mm -hmm. turns out, has nothing to do with Arizona. Yeah, okay. They are based out of Woodbury, New York, which is on Long Island. Nassau County, for anybody keeping track. You know about the Nassau County, Ed? Manhattan and Long Island? I don't know. Are those the same place? No. Long Island is a pretty long island. Isn't Manhattan an island? Yes. Different islands. That is correct. Manhattan's not on Long Island? <laughs> I don't even get New York geography. Well, you know, if we can't form a point of reference for you geographically, Ed, maybe culturally? <laughs> How about that? Sure. Oh, I love that. Okay, so Woodbury, New York, 
is on Long Island in Nassau County, home to, among others, Steve Buscemi. Who's in The Sopranos. Jerry Seinfeld. Drives around in cars. The Baldwin brothers. Ugh. Whatever. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, so that's where Arizona T's are, our man John Farolito. But by 1999, there's a John Farolito Jr. Okay. And he gets together with two of his friends, Brendan Cohen and Steve Paisani. Ooh, that's a good name. And they purchase the D'Angelico guitars trademark. They bring it back to life. Where'd they get it, Ed? The Arizona Tea Company dudes? Yeah. <laughs> John Farolito Sr. Yeah. Other than beverages, he plays guitar. And along the way, he bought the rights to the name. Holy shit. That's crazy. So I guess he had been just kind of sitting on the D'Angelico guitars trademark. Huh. So he sells it to his son and his son's two buddies in 1999. That's crazy. Yeah. And they take the next 10 years to kind of figure it out. Yeah. 2011, D'Angelico Guitars officially launched. Huh. 10 years ago. Yeah. From Heart Attack Time, 1964, all the way up to 2011, no D'Angelicos. Crazy. What better way to start than to reissue some of D'Angelico's best designs? Sure. They actually got a hold of some of those D'Angelico's, like the ones you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And they had them x-rayed and put through an MRI machine. That's pretty cool. They have a showroom in Chelsea in Manhattan, and you can go there and look at all these guitars. That's pretty great. Just a couple of short years later, 2014, they were up to like 125 dealers in the U.S. and over 200 internationally. Three years. That's pretty good. So then they decide to branch out, Ed. Okay. 2015, they decide to launch an acoustic guitar line. They made 150 of those, like, you know, Dreadnought style. Mm-hmm. Something D'Angelico himself never did, and took them to Nam and debuted them. From there, they start going into, like, the semi-hollow designs, you know, like an ES-335 type. Mm-hmm. And the very next year, 2016... They win Best in Show for Companies to Watch at NAM. Great. And then in 2020, and we were there for this, they introduced solid body designs. Their presence at NAM was fucking legit. Like, they clearly spent a shit ton of money. Yeah. So this guitar took a few years to make this Bob Weir Bedford model, and it was in conjunction with Bob Weir himself. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to get into the Grateful Dead here. <laughs> Come on, John, please. <laughs> I think if you are a deadhead, you probably have fairly thick skin because they are a pretty divisive band. A lot of people either really, really love them or you just do not. Bob Weir's guitar list is like he started playing Gretsch Duojets, then moved on to Rickenbackers. He played Guild Starfires. He played ES-335s. He played Tellys, SGs, Les Pauls. He played everything, right? Yes. But I guess the thing with that is that guy has been a pro musician playing guitars for 50 years. Yeah. Whether or not you're into his style, that guy is probably pretty fucking picky about the guitars he plays. Clearly. This guitar has three pickups. In the neck and bridge, it has two stacked P90s. And in the middle, it has a single coil. 
So the neck, P90. Lovely. Bridge, P90. This was a pretty cool design touch he wanted. If you put the switch, which is a five-way switch, by the way, dead center, it is just the single coil, nothing else. So that's the core premise of this. Mm -hmm. As you would imagine, the off positions, like two and four, are combos. So if I'm on two, it's the bridge and the middle pickup. Yep. If I'm on four, it's the neck in the middle. I'm going to go to the neck stacked P90, essentially a single coil. But if you stack an additional coil underneath, mm -hmm. it creates a noise-canceling effect. So these become noiseless P90s. This is just on this guitar. This is not a P90 thing in general. You can buy stacked P90s and put them in any guitar you like. Okay. These are Seymour Duncan stacked P90s. If I take the volume knob and pull it up because it's push-pull, it eliminates that noise-canceling coil. Kind of brightens it up a little, although it's pretty subtle. Same goes for the bridge. If I go down there... Pretty subtle. I'll start that over. There's a third knob here, Ed. Okay. What is it? Can you guess? Uh, I don't know. Almost certainly it does something fucking weird because all of those Weir and Garcia guitars had no end of knobs and switches and bullshit on them. It's a blend knob. Okay. For instance, if I'm in position two, which is the bridge in the middle pickup... I can choose to slowly integrate the neck pickup into it using this blend knob. So here's without it. Let me slowly roll in the neck pickup. Yeah, weird. If I go to the fourth position, which is the neck in the middle. Yep, you can bring in the bridge. If you're in the neck or just the bridge, it brings in the other P90. That's just weird. Yeah, if you're in the middle, it's just that middle pickup. I printed this out because it's nuts. Deluxe Bob Weir Bedford Blender Knob and Coil Tapping Tone Diagram. <laughs> <laughs> and there are, between the five positions of the five-way switch, 40 different tonal variations. What the fuck? You know, cool is all I can say about that. If you need that much tonal variation, there you go. You've got it. But like, I never would. Maybe I don't understand the Grateful Dead. I've never been to a show because I have zero desire to sit through four fucking hours of wanky solos, right? But like... <laughs> In your average dead show, I wonder how often he changes guitars. Good question. 
does he play a three-hour set and he uses the same guitar for the whole thing? No clue. There could be an argument that he needs something that stands up to not just night after night play, but long-term play within a night. If that's how he's using it, that's awesome. Could be. There's an argument for why you would need that. The frets are stainless steel, so they're not going to wear out ever. The neck is a set neck, a nice, strong, resonant joint. It sounds really nice. This thing is finished in what they call matte stone, which I really like. Like a dark primer gray matte finish. I think it's super cool. Yeah. This is the Deluxe, and all that means is it has gold hardware. There is a Premier that has all silver hardware, which I would probably prefer. Right. In the kind of arc of companies that we have done... Sometimes they go sideways where we say, oh, yeah, and then they sold and they became a big conglomeration and then everything got shipped overseas and that was the end of that. It seems to me this company in 2011, when they launched, they had a game plan that was a little more considered. They were thoughtful. Yeah, because the history of D'Angelico is not about half-assing it. (laughs) We got this from our good friends at uh, Thunder Road Guitars, Uncle Frank and the gang. Yeah, and that thing's only a year old, right? You said it just came out? Yeah, 2020 is when they announced this. The most recent news from D'Angelico in 2020, this past year, they acquired both Supro and Pigtronics. No shit. Yeah. And that's it, Ed. What do you think of that uh, long and storied history of D'Angelico guitars? I think I am pretty more or less into it. I'm very into those old original ones, but I guess I'm not in the market for an $80,000 guitar. Oh, God. (laughs) Barring that, I'm probably not super into the Bob Weir style. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's a two thumbs up for the D'Angelico guys. Yeah. It seems like they're doing everything right to me anyway. Going from 1905, Little Italy. Yeah. And then Heart Attack. Yeah. And then Arizona iced tea, very into that, selling booze out of the back of your car. If that's what they were doing. I don't want to cast aspersions. Well, I think it's too late for that, John. Allegedly selling liquor out of the trunk. Yeah. Where are you guys getting all this alcohol? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm into it, John. Cool. Where can people find us? People can find us all the places people usually find us. Instagram. Yeah. Lots of pictures. Yep. If you like pictures and have eyes, yep. then... If you look at some, we are at The High Gain. On the internet, thehighgain.com. Oh, yeah, thehighgain.com on the internet box. So if you have an internet box or your neighbor has an internet box you can borrow, Yep. go to thehighgain.com and check it out. Thehighgainpod at gmail.com if you want to send us a mail. Ooh, that's right. Patreon.com slash thehighgain. Yes. Facebook, Twitter. Yes. Cool. Nice work, John. Nice work, Ed. Bye. Bye.